all be the best mom, the best wife, the best career person. But first of all, what's the best? And second of all, everybody's is so different. How do I put myself out in the world at age 45 as a newbie? Being scared and doing it anyway. That's it. And that's the beautiful part of midlife is do fucking you, whatever that is. And don't judge other people for what they're doing. Who cares? Welcome to the Rebel Souls podcast, where we flip the middle finger to the status quo. I'm your host, Shelly Paxton, lifelong rebel, liberator of souls, and author of Soulbatical, a corporate rebel's guide to finding your best life. Settle in as we dive deep with badass leaders who are rebelling for what matters most in life, business, and the world at large. I'm so happy you're here. Let's get this revolution started. This is a Soulfire production. Hello and welcome back, my fellow rebel souls. Oh, I promised you that we were not taking our foot off the pedal of badassery for the remainder of the year or ever for that matter. And this, oh my, this one's a wild ride. This is a wild ride. I was recently introduced to Dr. Sarah Milken, who is also known as the flexible neurotic. She has a really incredible story about recreating herself in midlife at 46 years old. And you all know 46 years old is when I left Harley. It's when I decided to go on this journey that I called my soulbatical that five years later has become the movement that has become this Rebel Souls community that has become a way of being, or at least we try every day, right? So you know that I love to talk to and to bring you anyone who is making this bold step to reinvent themselves, especially in mid-fucking-life. It's hard, and it takes courage. And it's so rewarding because it is our time to reclaim our truth and our authenticity and our purpose, and that's exactly what Sarah is doing. So literally a year, just over a year ago, mid-pandemic, she decides that she's kind of bored and has had enough of, you know, despite having PhD and master's degree and an Ivy League education and all the things, she made the decision to stay home and raise her two children. Her children are now 17 and 15. And she's like, I'm bored. I'm ready to be me. I want to scratch what she calls the midlife itchies. She got the midlife itchies. I know that resonates. I know that lands with this community. I felt the midlife itchies. I just didn't call them at that time. They called them that at the time that I was experiencing them. And so I asked Sarah to come on and have our first conversation ever live for all of you to dig into this idea of rebranding a midlife crisis as a midlife remix and taking ownership and agency of that, writing the narrative, doing the work to understand who really am I, what lights me up, and then taking the bold steps, one baby step at a time to do that thing, create that thing, live that thing that is your truth. And so Sarah takes us on the journey of becoming the creator and host of her podcast, The Flexible Neurotic, and starting an Instagram channel from literally no followers, never having been on Instagram. And all of that is a beautiful metaphor or foil for her midlife journey and her living it out loud and sharing it all with us. And as she says, getting out her golden shit shovel. I mean, she puts that PhD to use, you guys, and really starting to dig in and to normalize 
you know, the layers of shit that are associated with midlife and the things that, you know, are only spoken about in hushed whispers. And she brings them into the light and boldly goes there. And by there, I mean, everything from vaginal health to sexual health to aging parents, mental health, midlife career pivots, all the scaries that come up as we make these bold decisions to live midlife on our terms. And this is such a fun conversation. It's a really practical conversation. I hope it's an inspiring conversation. I loved meeting her. I love hearing these stories. I know you all love hearing these stories. She's somebody who's truly living sabbatical in my language, in our language. And it's really fun to hear what it's like for her at 46 and all of these places she's digging and what she's learning and what she is bringing out into the light to help us all really become our best selves and live our truth and stop canceling ourselves and stop judging ourselves, but allowing ourselves to be obsessed with what matters most to us and who we are. So. Let's dive in. This conversation is a wild one. I know you're going to love it. And so we're just going to plop right into my conversation with Dr. Sarah Milken. Enjoy. I want to dive in because I was telling you off camera and I want the whole Rebel Souls community to know that I've already like, I'm devouring your content. I'm devouring everything you. that is the flexible neurotic that is Dr. Sarah Milken. And I truly feel like this soul connection because our message is while we come at it in two different ways and our lived experience and our life journey and what brought us here right now is quite different. We're, we're tackling a lot of the same stuff that like life, our parents, school doesn't fucking teach you, right? That's a hundred percent. And that's what this whole thing has been about for me. Oh, well, so let's talk about your journey that brought you to be like, make this declaration not that long ago. So you declared that you were like, okay, I'm going to do midlife publicly. I'm going to start an Instagram. Very publicly. I'm going to start a podcast. I am going to be this persona of the flexible neurotic. I mean, let's be honest. Like I do truly want to dive into your story because this community and everything that I stand for is all about rewriting your script of success, whatever that looks like. And so many of us who are doing it are doing it in midlife. I mean, let's be honest, reinventing yourself at any stage is scary as shit. Very. Scary as shit. Then you get to be 45 years old. Like I left Harley when I was 46. I think you started this whole endeavor when you were around 45. Yeah. Holy shit, sister. So how, and I think most importantly, like, tell us a little bit of the story. And then like, how did you push through all of those like nasty voices? Like, I think you call them oh, the I have girl a full voices. peanut gallery. I have inner whispers. I have inner mean girl. I have a full peanut gallery of real people and myself. I found it so fascinating as I, we got, you know, sort of introduced through mutual friends. And then I started digging into your work and then I was like, oh my God, need to know this woman. (laughs) That's how I felt about you. So I was so curious. I'm like, I love this story. You're so open and honest about you're like, I, I, nobody in my family did this. Everybody in my family worked. My mom was a working mom. You have lots of years of schooling. You have some big fucking degrees, sister. (laughs) And you're like, I made the choice. And I, I bravo, you made the choice to be with your children and to raise your children. And then one day you were like, yeah, I'm kind of ready to be me again. I'm fucking done. Yeah. yeah. So tell us, tell us that, like, what was going on that led you to go? Yeah, I, it's me. And I'm going to figure this out out loud. Yeah. The out loud part wasn't part of the plan. It just <laughs> sort of came, it came along with the sort of midlife remix project, but in a nutshell, 
I come from a house with two working parents. Um, my dad's a dentist. My mom has a PhD and runs the largest nonprofit in the country for special needs kids. Oh, wow. So I grew up in a house where my parents had like equal pay, equal say, you know, and that's all I knew. That's how I grew up. My mom was not a carpool mom. She didn't make brownies. She wasn't part of the PTA. But she was a very present mom. Like she was home at 5 p.m. every night for dinner. She took us to AYSO soccer on Saturdays. But I never knew anything different. So I was like, that's what I'm going to do because so much of who I am is because she was who she was and continues to be. Um, So I kind of went on my merry way and checking all my boxes and being the nerd that I am of like getting good grades and going to these schools. And um, my parents never pushed Ivy League schools or anything like that. They didn't even go to Ivy League schools, but it was sort of came with the territory. I went to public school until high school. And then when I made that switch to private school, it was like balls to the wall. Everybody was like psycho to try to get to these top tier schools. So as sort of part of that system, that's what became. So I went to an Ivy League school. I I met my husband at in high school in ninth grade. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we've been through a lot together. Hells yeah, you have. I know. So we've known each other since we were 13. We've been together 27 years. We ended up at the same college, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so in our whole relationship, like he always, like he knew my mom since I was 13. So he was like, I'm marrying this girl who's going to work. Our kids are going to, you know, be, you know, there's going to be a nanny or whatever. And it was like this thing where I got my PhD. I was teaching in the graduate school of education at USC. And I had my first kid, Jake. And I was like, I'm not leaving. And everybody was like, wait, what are you talking about? Especially my parents. And my parents are like kind of easygoing and not judgmental. But with this, they were they were pissed. They were not pissed, annoyed. It was like the peanut gallery. It was like, wait, Sarah, like we just like spent all this money and bent over backwards to try to get you through private school, to pay for college, to pay for graduate school. And now you're going to stay home with your kids. So there was was like me when I left Harley, my parents were like, no, 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 no. Nobody does that. Nobody does that. I totally feel you. And I don't know how I did it. Like my husband didn't care whether I stayed home or I didn't, but there was just something inside of me that was like, I mean, some people could say I was like healing ancestral trauma because my mom wasn't a stay at home mom. I don't know. You can look at it in so many psychological ways, but I just knew that I wanted to be there. And that's the decision that I made. I didn't think I was going to stay home for 17 years, though. That was a fuck of a long time. Um, But, you know, in in the process, I really embraced it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed my children. Of course, they bugged the fuck out of me at times. Of course, there were Groundhog Day days where I was like, is this ever going to end? Like, I'm going to die of boredom here. Um, but I think a really important part of me that I've realized in this midlife remix journey is I don't think I knew it consciously at the time, but I was, I, I guess I chose to live my life in seasons. Mm -hmm. And I know that's something that you talk about too. And it's come up almost in every episode of mine in that I think it was like, I got, I did all my schooling. I got that season done. Then I did my raising kids season for 17 years. And now it's my midlife season. That's just for me. Yes. And that's where I'm at right now. So after 17 years of being home, I was like, I have the midlife itchies. That's what I call it in this journey. And I've got to find something, something to scratch that itch. Like it's not going to be a new car. It's not going to be a new handbag. Cause as we all know, those things, it's like, they're cool for a second, but then there's like nothing to it. We're all looking for, I think in midlife, some sense of novelty. You know, it's like, are you gonna, are you gonna like sleep with your tennis teacher? <laughs> are you gonna not not that that's happening? I don't even play tennis, but that's why those things happen, is because we're all searching for novelty. You know, yeah. are we gonna start a side business? Are we gonna write a book? Are we gonna adopt another kid? Are we gonna foster pets? It doesn't matter what it is. It's just a matter of you finding what's going to scratch that midlife itch. 
whatever it is. And how much of that, both in your own story and in what's being revealed from all these amazing people that you're speaking with, how much of that has to do that we spend so many of those previous seasons living according to other people's terms and other people's expectations. And it's finally like, I just fucking want to own being me. So much of it. Like so much of it. Like I said, I, you know, my parents were pretty cool, but like I went to a school, a high school where the expectation was everyone went to these top tier colleges. I don't even like looking back on it. I'm not sure that was even necessary. I'm not sure that all that schoolwork in high school and stressing out was even worth it or necessary, but it was the expectations that were sort of handed down to me. It was like the high school narrative of this is what we do. Yeah. And, and we do, I, and we're taught not to not to question, right? Totally. And I think it's I think it impacts has impacted my parenting too, because now I have a son who's in eleventh grade who has a lot of the criteria to meet some of those expectations or uh, criteria to go to these top tier schools, but they're not really him. So I'm kind of like in this zone with my husband where we're like, that's not really his personality. Like, could he do it? Yes. But just because you can doesn't mean you do. And I think that's like one of the themes that I've discovered in this midlife journey is that we can all be the best mom, the best wife, the best career person. But first of all, what's the best? And second of all, everybody's is so different. You know, like what suits my son is not going to suit my daughter or the next person. And I just want to make sure as a parent that I'm not dumping my narrative onto him. Like just because your parents went to an Ivy League school, you have to also. I love it. And I mean, speaking of narratives, one of my favorite parts of your work and the journey you're on is how you're rebranding this idea of what we've always heard of as like the midlife crisis, right? And you said it for some people, it's like, I'm going to go have the affair. I'm going to buy the hot sports car. I'm going to do the crazy fucking thing. And it may be that for some people, but what I love is you're encouraging and inviting all of us to take this into our own hands and to, to really assume our own agency and say, no, it's actually a midlife remix, right? We are the DJs. We are the authors yes. of how we want this story to go. So what do we want to create that's going to light us up? Yeah. And we all have different remix tapes. They're all going right. to be different songs. They're all going to be playing at different times and that's all okay. And that's what, you know, my thought is, is like, we've all been in middle school. That shit's over. In middle school, you want to fit in. You want to be, you want to look like everyone else. You want to wear what everybody else is wearing. You don't want to stand out. But I feel like by midlife, we've earned the right to be the fuck like who we are. Step out of, I should have been this. I could have done that. I've been this for so long. It's like, well, who are you really? And I feel like another key component of this midlife rebranding of the crisis as the remix is I think a lot of us are so used to instant gratification these days. It's like, I need a cowboy hat for Halloween. I'm going to order it from Amazon Prime and it's going to be here tomorrow. And I would love to be able, and I think I did for decades, I thought that a self-recreated midlife identity, my either A, my husband was going to do it for me, and he was going to say, Sarah, I'm a CEO of a company. I'm so smart. This is what you should be doing. And I kind of secretly hoped for it because then I didn't have to do the work. It's so much easier. And then the other version was, I'll just order it from Amazon. But the reality is, is once you start doing the work, you realize nobody's doing it for you and it's not getting dropped off in a box. And you have to be the midlife remix girl that takes responsibility for your own self-reinvention because no one is doing it for you. There are going to be people like you and me, Shelly, who are going to be like, hey, we're doing it. Do it with us. Like, come along. Listen to these experts. Listen to this introspection. We have all these golden nuggets. 
But at the end of the day, no one can do it except for you. And that's what I realized. That is one of my biggest takeaways from all the years I spent thinking about it and not doing it. Yes. Well, the, I mean, where to start, right? Because the book that I wrote, the journey I've been on is exactly what you just described. It's like stepping into this idea of, oh, fuck, I've been living someone else's dream. I've been living life on someone else's terms. What do I even want? And that was the scariest question to ask it's myself. It's the hardest question to it's answer. It's the hardest question. It's scary. It's hard. It will literally put you in the fetal position, like under your bed, yeah. sucking your thumb, right? And it's the most courageous question you can ask. And the most, in my mind, courageous work that we can do to really understand, like you said, who am I really? So what did that look like for you? What was your journey of doing the work that led you to like, oh, wait, I'm like this edgy, badass, F-bomb dropping chick who's going to go on this journey out loud. Like, how did that, how did, what did that look like for you? I thought I was going to like meditate, you know, once a month. And, you know, then there was going to be this whisper that's like, Sarah, you should start this business. Sarah, you should write a book called da da da. But it never came. And so I went on a walk with one of my good friends, Angela Nazarian, who was my first podcast guest. And she's like six years ahead of me in this sort of self-reinvention journey. And she was like, Sarah, you have so much to say. You have so much to you, but you just need to figure out a way to harness it and organize it and articulate it. And I feel like you do really well with a life coach. And I was like, what the fuck is a life coach? What are you talking about, Angela? And I like, I have a PhD. I know therapy up the wazoo. She's like, it's different, Sarah. Life coaching is different. They're not telling you what to do. They're just helping you organize your thoughts so that you can take your next step, whatever that step is. She's like, just trust me. And I was like, okay. So I actually ended up talking to two life coaches because why not do two when, you know, you don't have to do one. You overachiever, you. <laughs> I wanted to sort of, you know, compare and contrast. Anyway, so I hired a couple of life coaches and I really wanted to sort of dig into like, okay, what's next, Sarah? You know, because I thought, okay, I'll just write a book, just write a book. But my mom's written books and you've written a book. It's hard. Oh, it's really fucking hard. And my husband was like, Sarah, you're like trying to quote, get out of the house. And if you write a book, you're like in the fucking house. Yeah. He's like, you're a people person. Like, no, 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 no. Please don't do that right now. Like maybe that's like phase two, but right now, like you need to do something where you're interacting with people. So I was like, okay. So I started talking to these life coaches and then COVID hit. I'm not kidding. A week or yeah. two later. And I was like, okay, great. I'm trapped in my house with my husband, my dogs, and my two teenagers. And what am I going to do now? And I just started, like, it was so basic. I was like, okay, what do I like to do? I'm not a big hobbyist. I'll be honest. I'm the worst hobbyist. I'll probably have, knock on wood, some form of like, I don't want to say dementia, but I'll probably lose my mind. I don't play games. I don't play Mahjong. I don't do crossword puzzles, you know? So I'm like, what do I like to do? And I was like, I'm a nerd. I love podcasts and I love to talk and I love to ask questions and I love research. I'm like a fucking nerd. I'm going to do a podcast. I'm going to ask all the burning questions that we all have about, you know, revamping our vaginas, you know, sex that hurts after 40, you know, all of it. Why are we losing our hair? Plastic surgery, facelifts, all of it. And all, you know, all of these women are dying for this information. Yes, you can Google midlife, but when you Google midlife, it's like frumpy lumpy. That's not the kind of shit and that kind of information that we're looking for. We're looking for super relevant, quasi sexy. I don't mean sexy, like lingerie sexy. I mean, sexy, vibrant, interesting, edgy, you know, talking about certain topics that we normally don't talk about. And I was like, okay, I'm starting a podcast. And I'm literally Googling, like, how do you start a podcast? So I ended up starting the podcast. And people are like, well, how did you start? I was like, okay, well, I called my friend Angela. And I was like, Angela, I'm going to interview you. And she was like, okay, Sarah. I mean, it sounds so basic. And I think that 
being an overachiever and being a performance-driven person, you're like, okay, I'm going to go and get a master's degree in how to start a podcast. I'm going to go get a PhD and, you know, how to do technology when you're over 40. But that doesn't really exist. It's getting back to the basics. And at the end of the day, there were two things. It was being willing to start small. How do I put myself out in the world at age 45 as a newbie? The only answer that I came up with in all of my mishigas and arguing with myself is being scared and doing it anyway. That's it. My peanut gallery was like, Sarah, you don't even have a personal Instagram account. You've never posted on Instagram for your own self, for your family, for your friends. But now you're going to put out a podcast about midlife self-reinvention and you're going to start an Instagram with zero followers and you're just going to throw yourself out there and run through them all naked. Yeah, that's what I did. I don't know how I did it other than I was scared and I did it anyway. What I want to feel is purposeful for me, outside of my children, outside of my husband. And what can I do to get to that feeling of purpose? What small step could I take? And that small step of bridging the gap between how I want to feel and how I felt was starting the podcast. I don't mean like I started it overnight, but I started researching it. And I started Googling and talking to people and gathering information. Nothing is built overnight, but it's about like sending that first email to some podcast company, like, hi, do you, how much does it cost to edit a podcast episode? And then once you start sending the first email, the second, the third, you start building like a confidence muscle and you're like, oh, that wasn't that bad. Oh, that person said, no, that was kind of awkward, but okay, I'm going to keep going at it. It's like the shit you don't want to do ends up being the stuff that's cool, meaningful, synergistic. It just works like that. Yeah. Let's take one step at a time. Courage required confidence optional. Yes. (laughs) Right. My perception is that because you are showing up fully, authentically as you, you are not trying to be anyone other than Dr. Sarah Milken, who's like, all of these things, you know, you're like, yeah, I'm the woman who got lots of degrees and decided to stay home. I am the mother of parents. I am a wife to a guy I've known since I was 13. I am all of these things, which is so beautiful. I do get Botox. I do get filler. Do I don't pretend Botox. to be perfect. You're like, great. Let's explore sexual health. Let's, yeah, talk, let's talk about, about vaginal my dry vagina if you want. Totally. And this is the thing is like, you're willing to go there. And that's a point. Like I want all of us. It doesn't, I, and listen, Rebel Souls, everybody listening to this, this isn't about starting your own podcast. This is about doing the thing that you want or, to yeah, do. Or just doing you. Like if you're doing the person, you. if you can afford to get up in the morning and make breakfast for your family and go on a run and then take a yoga class and then go to the beach and walk your dog and like that works for you and your family and you fucking love that and that brings you meaning and joy, go do that. And everybody do what makes you happy because everybody's version is going to be different, but we all need to sort of stay in our own lanes, but stay in our own lanes, not meaning like we all have to live our individual lives and not be a collective, but like, let's stop judging what everybody else is doing. She works. She doesn't work. Like I'm a makeup wearer. I'm a makeup whore. I wear makeup all the time. I don't try to deny it. It's just who I am. Right. And so like, I know in the past, other moms have been like, oh, she wears makeup and carpool. I'm like, why do you fucking care if I'm wearing makeup and carpool? You didn't get up five minutes earlier to put the mascara on. I did. And maybe it's not important to you. And that's also okay. And that's the thing. It's like middle school's over. Like I said, we've already done the let's all fit in with each other. You know, I think it's a time where we get to say like, okay, we've all been moms or we've, you know, we haven't been moms, we've been spouses, or we've lived in these sort of, you know, pre-selected, pre-designated roles. But now it's our time to like figure out, well, what's next for us? How am I going to scratch that midlife itch? What is that going to look like? And I've sort of seen it as this like permission to become self-obsessed in midlife. 
I love it. I you know, it. and it doesn't mean self-obsessed like a narcissist. It just means not canceling on you anymore. Like there's so many times where I've like canceled walking with a friend or canceled something because I'm like, oh, my kids are going to want me to take them to their soccer, whatever, practice or whatever. At the end of the day, they probably don't really give a shit that much. But I've been sort of, I've trained myself to think that. But it's like, hey, you know what? No, I'm not going to cancel on me. I'm going to put me first. I mean, my kids are accounted for. They're not starving. And I'm going to do what I need to do. And I'm, you know, and very important part of me growing up was my mom working and my mom sort of being this sort of, quote, badass person. And, you know, as much as I love being a stay-at-home mom, I always had this, like, quiet fear that my daughter wouldn't grow up seeing me in this sort of, it's not powerful light, but a light of owning yourself Mm. and doing something that lights you up other than raising them. And so I feel really grateful and lucky that I've started this midlife remix journey and they've been, my kids have been able to see me doing something that's really hard, but really meaningful. It's like modeling to them what I was modeled. And that's the beautiful part of midlife is do fucking you, whatever that is. And don't judge other people for what they're doing. Who cares? Yeah. And stop canceling on ourselves. I love that phrase. I always say this is the time of radical self-commitment. We talk about self-care all the time, but I'm like, no, there's something bigger. It's not about getting your nails done. No, although mine need to be done. Yeah, mine too. You should see I have this huge ding on my thumb. Yes. (laughs) Like mine are a mess. Oh, well, that's tomorrow's project. Like all of those things are important, of course, but that's not what we're really talking about. We're talking about the time for reflection, the time for thinking, and just the time to space the fuck out. That, right? So what I I love, I've heard you in many conversations, both in your own podcast and a guest on other people's podcasts, talk about permission. Yes. And I think this is a a beautiful um, kind of shared through line of your work and my work is I feel like we are... because we are setting an example, we're giving other women a permission slip to go, yeah, you know what? Create the white space on your calendar. Do you put the makeup on or don't fucking put the makeup on? Fill the lines in with Botox or don't fill the lines in with Botox. Like do you in a way that feels good and that lights you up because it's really fucking hard to try to be somebody else. Let's be honest. Right. And so I love that you give that permission. My 15 year old daughter says to me, sometimes I'll be like, Ooh, like, I don't know about those jeans or something. And she goes, just do you. And I'm like, okay. All right. Touche. But yes, the permission to be you is definitely one of the things that has been coming through from me to my listeners and then back around to me again, because there are so many women who are like, wait, me too. Not me too, me too, but me too. Like I feel that way too. Like I feel like I want to take back myself, but I don't know what that looks like or what that means or what that feels like. And my answer is you're not going to wake up one day and it's just all going to be clear. I mean, you and I are enjoying what we're doing and feel passionate about it, but it doesn't mean it's crystal clear all the time. It's like, can you live in murky waters? Yeah. Or can we swim together in murky waters, right? Because that's really, I, I wrote in the beginning of my book that I wrote this book so that I could put an arm around you and say, I got you because I wish somebody would have done that for me. Yes. When I was leaving this big job and this big career and I was scared shitless and I knew it was absolutely the right thing to do for me. And I see you doing the same thing. You're like, okay, there are other women out there who are like, I want to figure this out. I want to recreate and reinvent myself. I, I just want to be me. Yeah, I know. It's and true. I mean, other I, women do it makes us not feel so alone. I, I a hundred percent agree. I mean, I was at an event the other night and I hadn't seen a bunch of these people for a long time. And one woman came up to me and she was like, Sarah, I just want to tell you how impressed I am that you're doing this podcast. 
And like, I don't need, you know, another thing that we do need to talk about is external validation, because I think that's a really big theme in this midlife journey. But having this, uh, there were probably three women that night who literally went out of their way to come to me, to acknowledge my podcast, tell me that they're listeners, tell me that they look for, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they're not people that I would normally associate with being generally effusive Mm -mm. or effusive to me. So it was sort of like, wow, like, even they are like, wow, Sarah, you're really putting yourself out there. And one of them said to me, you know, it, it makes me feel like I have something in me that I just need to get out, but I'm figuring out what that is. And you've already done it and kudos to you. And I think it's also not a race. It's not like who can do it first because I have so much left to figure out. Like you said, I'm so new to this. I don't know like how long to make my episodes. I don't know what my episode artwork should look like. Do people like this or do people like that? And then at the end of the day, like you said, I don't know if we recorded that part. So much of it is just like intuition. It's like, well, what would I want to listen to? Well, how do I want to feel when I listen to the podcast? Do I want it quick and dirty or do I want it deep and thoughtful and introspective? So I think that intuition is a big part of the midlife journey. Can we tap back in and like figure out what feels good for us? Because I feel like we've put that out of our minds for so long in serving others or serving others' narratives. Well, and that's, and that's related to this topic of external validation, oh. right? I mean, we have been taught for so long to look outside ourselves to say, am I worthy? Am I of value? Am yes. I doing well? Am I successful? I mean, you know, insert other thousand questions here, right? Instead of looking inside to say, does that feel good? I have this concept of feeling successful right? When I was at Harley, I had all of the, I ticked all the traditional boxes of success, but I felt empty inside. Mm -hmm. So that's like, when you start looking outside for external validation, you oftentimes feel very empty on the inside. So how do we reconnect and and recalibrate? It's never enough. We'll never fill that hole with all the stuff from, from outside. No. And I think that is one of the biggest things with this podcast is I would like, if I follow the metrics from the beginning and try to see like, how many downloads did I get? Like how many likes, how many, whatever I could never get up in the morning. Yeah. It's like weighing yourself. You know, it's like the movement is so small. It's like a few more of this, a few more of that. And if you base all of your, um, your forward thinking on those metrics, I feel like you're never going to get anywhere. Because you're always looking like, oh, how many likes did that get? Oh, should I take that post down? But I've really, I'm not saying I'm perfect and I try to, you know, and I don't care about what people think, but I've really tried to, with the Instagram thing, especially have a healthy view with it because there's always going to be someone, it's like anything in life. There's always going to be someone who has more. There's always going to be someone who has six people working behind the scenes on their Instagram and liking 400 people's posts. So those 400 people like theirs, but who has time for that shit? Yeah. I'm super curious how you check in with yourself on this, because this is definitely something that it's an ongoing challenge slash struggle slash journey for me. People ask me all the time, how many books have you sold? (laughs) And my answer is, I don't know. Yeah. Because early on, and this might be similar to likes and followers and downloads and all the things early on, I realized that no matter what number I saw on that sheet or on my author portal at Simon and Schuster, whatever it was, it was never going to be enough. It was never going to be enough because like, it just feels small because it's also incremental. It's the 20 new followers, then 10 new followers, then five new followers, then a bunch of people drop off and then there's some new, and then you do something and it's the journey. And I, for my own mental health, and I would love for us to talk about mental health because I know it's something we're both 
super passionate about and like ever more present in our midlife journey. I just decided that was something that I didn't need to know because no matter what that number says, it isn't reflective of my worth or my value as a human or an author. And so I just took that off the table for me. And so I'm curious, like, do you have things that you've done like that, that have just helped you stay focused, like how I feel about it versus what other people and other metrics are saying about my quote unquote success? Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. I mean, like for starters, I haven't, my son is 17, my oldest. I haven't weighed myself since before I was pregnant with him. For that same exact reason, because once I get into that fucked up numbers game of judging myself based on an outside metric, I mean, I know when I've gained some weight, like I have a muffin top, my pants are too tight. Those jeans, like I need two sizes up. It's not a mystery, but I don't want to, I don't want to live in this like kind of cycle of punishing myself and get into that whole thing. And it's the same thing with the podcast. Like I have to log in to a separate website or whatever you call it, platform to see how many downloads there are. Sometimes I don't even look at it for three weeks or a month. Oh, totally. My, you know, someone will say, well, how's your podcast doing? I'm like, I, I well, and they're like, well, how many downloads do you have? I'm like, I don't know. And they're like, well, how do you know it's doing well? I'm like, um, I don't know. People are DMing me. They're enjoying it. I have all these people wanting to be on my podcast. I'm getting to be on other people's podcasts and it just feels good. And that's okay for me right now. And then yeah, some people are like, good. yeah. And then some people talk about like, well, how are you going to monetize? And I'm like, well, I'm not worrying about monetizing right now because that wasn't my initial goal with this project. It was like, can I produce a viable product for midlife women about inspiring and normalizing self-reinvention in the second half of life. Yes, I think I have created a viable product. So in my mind, it's a success, whether there's 200 downloads or 20 million downloads. And that's how I view it. And I love this idea. Like what I hear in that too is, is this still bringing me joy? Does this bring me joy? I mean, that's one of the things. If I'm waking up feeling like, If I were approaching this conversation going, oh my God, I do another fucking podcast interview and like, oh my God, I'm like ripping my hair out. Then it should be over and done with. I should not be doing this anymore. Quite the opposite. Every, I do all my podcast recordings on Thursdays. I wake up like on fire every Thursday. And so my question now has been, how does every, how can I get every day to feel like Thursday? Because I love the feeling I have on Thursdays. And so I invite everybody to ask themselves that question. Like, think about when you just feel like, I mean, I'm so lit up, I jump out of my skin. I want to like run through the screen and (laughs) hug you and like... (laughs) So what, what brings you that feeling? And then how do you create more of that in your life? And then how do you measure success by that kind of feeling versus some other bullshit number? Right. And it does I agree with you. Be- I threw all my scales out too, sister. Oh yeah. I don't even have one, but it's, it's also, and when I go to the doctor, I'm like, don't tell me. And she's like, well, and then the nurse walks in and you know, she's about to like, tell me. And I'm like, wait, I just discussed no. this. No. But um, I don't have a specific day of the week to record podcasts because I'm a little of the opposite in the sense that when I do an hour and a half podcast, I feel like I've like given birth to something. You know what I mean? Because it's like I've spent 50,000 hours like researching the person and listening to their podcasts and having them in my life and in my ear. And I've read their books and everybody I interview is like, wait, you read all my books? I'm like, Well, yeah, I did because you think I'm going to fucking interview you. And like, I haven't personally like gotten into your stuff. This is your golden shit shovel, girl. This is it. I'm moving through with my golden shit shovel. So yeah. So for me, having multiple podcasts and recording multiple hour and a half. in one day, I think I'd probably be dead by the end of the day. It would have been like, I've given birth three times, but I understand the need for batching it in one day because it is a lot and it does take up a lot of time and space, but it's so, it feels so good. So I think the way that I replicate that, like everyday feel good feeling is sort of like every day when I'm sort of prepping for 
the next couple of episodes. I'm like, oh, I love that. I love that Shelly's talking about, you know, these truths. And I love that Shelly's talking with her partner, Lori, about X, Y, or Z. And I'm like busy taking notes. You know, that lights me up. And my husband's like, why are you working at night? I'm like, because I don't see it as work. Yeah. Like I see it as like reading a book or playing the piano because I'm like digging through this person's sort of information, learning about them and nerding out. A hundred percent. Well, because this is you being and you recreating in midlife because your golden shit shovel is surfacing all these yummy golden nuggets that are There's helping so you. many. I'm like, how could I incorporate all of these? Oh my God. This is a forever thing for you because there are so many, like you can't get to the bottom of this thing. And I mean, there's literally, I wrote down a list. So as I was thinking about this, I, <laughs> I don't know that my golden shit shovel is as big as yours. I don't have a PhD behind me, <laughs> well, but you I'm can a, get one at Amazon. I'm oh sure. my God. Totally. And I'm a curious motherfucker. So we'll just <laughs> leave it at that. Right. So it's like, I just want to know. And I, like you, it's like, that is rocket fuel to me. When I get into somebody's world and I'm like, oh, I love their worldview. And that's so interesting. And tell me more. And I want to read all your books, same thing. And I'm really curious that like you really are hitting head on. You're, you're not getting into midlife going, let's tiptoe around the easy bits of midlife. And we talked a little bit about this earlier, but you're going, no, we're going into fucking midlife and the shit We're going that, into your vagina. We're going into your vagina, right? Like, <laughs> let's just call it out. We're going into your vagina. So it's like, we're not just going to do like, be like whispering over here on the side. Let's have the goddamn conversation. And this is where- I'm learning a lot from you as I'm listening to you and what you're doing. And I'm thinking, wow, I call myself a rebel soul. How can I be even more bold in approaching how I approach the topic of rewriting your script of success and flipping the middle finger to the status quo? And so I literally wrote down, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so curious. I want to know all the nuggets on mental health, midlife career pivots, aging parents, vaginal and sexual health. I mean, I could go on and on and on. I'm like, this is so yummy. So the one thing I want to make sure we talk about, and maybe, maybe we scratch the surface on a couple of these and you can share with us, like what, what are the most either like surprising? Yeah. What were the most surprising insights around let's talk mental health. And then you pick the second one that we talk about. What is something you learned that you would love to share with my community in mental health and maybe vaginal or sexual health, whatever. Oh my God. There's so, I mean, there's so many things. I have to think about that for a second. Let me start with vaginal health. Yeah, let's go there. Let's start with that one. I think one of the biggest takeaways for me was my, it was episode four with Dr. Sherry Ross, who's sort of like the vagina whisperer. You know, she's like the celebrity gynecologist in Los Angeles. She is fucking hilarious. Amazing. She has a TV show, a digital online TV show with Ellen DeGeneres called Lady Parts, and they like really get into it. So I think one of the biggest takeaways from her was that we have to treat our vaginas the same way we treat our faces. Think about that. We moisturize, we exfoliate, we take care of, we plump, we pinch, we do all of those things. Yeah. And so many of those things relate to the vagina. Like we just sort of think of the vagina as this like extra part down there, but she's saying, no, 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 no. You have to like lube it. You need to moisturize it. You need to take a bath in coconut, extra virgin coconut oil three times a week. Like it's, yeah, 20 minutes, three times a week. Get it all up in your parts and it's there. It's so, and I can't tell you, I literally became like a vagina expert overnight from that episode (laughs) because people are like, oh my God, I can take a coconut oil bath and my, and sex won't hurt as much. I mean, it was so many interesting aspects to it of the thoughts about revamping your vagina as part of the midlife revamp, you know? And then- Yeah, and as part of the, I'm not scared to go there, right? Yeah, and I'm not a porn star, believe me. My husband would like it if I was a porn star, just kidding. Because he's like, Sarah, you're doing so much vagina talk, but like, I don't see vagina happening in the house. And I'm like- (laughs) 
Well, it doesn't necessarily have to happen all the time. Right. Like, maybe a few more coconut oil baths, yeah. baby. <laughs> but I did say this in one of my episodes that I did see him. He bought one of the lubes that was mentioned in the Dr. Suzanne Gilbert lens episode. Cause he does, he listens to all the episodes. Cause it's like a fucking test to be married to me and not listen to my episodes. He's like, oh, no yeah. way am I ever doing that. So when he walks the dog, he's like totally caught up. So oh he's like, God, I, I just didn't that. think I was going to know this much about vaginal health in midlife. I'm like, welcome to the party, baby. Exactly. This is the journey. We don't know what the destination is, but we know there are going to be lots of interesting way stations. I love it. So good. What about, let's talk mental health because it's something that's really, really important to me and feels it's been, it's a part of my story, a part of my journey. I talk a lot about it in my book as it relates to my own experiences and we're sitting here in this world where we're trying to emerge from this global pandemic and mental health rates are like off the charts. Burnout is off the charts. And I can only imagine, I don't know what the numbers are for those of us who are in midlife, but that it's a struggle. A huge struggle. I mean, look, I've done so many episodes that aren't necessarily you know, a mental health episode, but so many of these topics in midlife relate to mental health. Like I did the one with, um, Dr. Burke Weinstein, and she talks about burnout and how women are literally left holding the sack of potatoes every night. You know, it's like, they're the ones who are like doing all the quote work and are completely burnt the fuck out. And so she says, you know, that we have to stop. And like we were talking about and ask those questions that seem so basic, but so necessary about like, well, how do I feel? Okay. Well, I don't like the way I feel. So what can I do to make myself feel the way I want to feel? And she's like, Sarah, it sounds so basic, but it's so true. And so many of us can't even answer that. Yeah. You know, and it's do in doing the work, the idea of like, it's not being delivered to you doing the work is answering those questions. And maybe you can't answer them all in one day and you can't write a cute little post-it note that fits in the corner of your computer, but it's a question that you can continue to ask yourself. And that, you know, it's like, even you or me, it's like, well, is this podcast still bringing me joy or does it feel like a burden? And I feel like if you're in a position where you can pivot or you can change something, you should. Because to stay in something that doesn't feel good in midlife, I feel like we've earned the right after all of these decades of life to kind of be who we are and do what we want to do. But then I think in midlife, some other interesting uh, mental health issues come into play, like related to aging parents, for example. That's what I'm experiencing. Yeah. And I did a very heavy, but amazing episode with Rabbi Steve Leader about grief and aging parents and how grief is sort of like, it never goes away, but it's kind of like this tidal wave that like ebbs and flows. And like some days you're going to be like, I got this. And other days you're going to be like, I I don't have this and how all of that is okay. And how those deep contrasts between joy and loss are what gives life texture, even though it doesn't feel like that at the time. Um, So I think I've had a lot of those interesting conversations or, you know, he talks about, um, trying to, in order to sort of increase your mental health, um, quotient for lack of a better term or being fulfilled or happy is to connect with your present, your presence right now. Like what family structure do I have right now that I love? Like Mm -hmm. what moment can I really suck up and absorb right now? Like, is it the family dinner that I love? Because all of those moments can go away in a second. So enjoy what you have right now. And again, sounds so simple, but we're all so busy. He talks about writing legacy letters to family members or children while you're living. So once a year, taking out your pad of paper and writing out like these kind of like ethical wills. Hmm. And talking about like what your purpose is in your life and what you see for your children, what you want them to know about you. Because at the end of the day, like this person's going to get money. This person might get a house X, Y, or Z. 
but you really want your kids to know what your legacy was like as a human being and what's important to you. So I think it's a lot of these like tools or dark hurts in rewriting um, your second half of life. She has two books and she talks about these letters that she used to write with her daughters where she would leave them sort of like love letters type things on under their pillows. And at first they were like, ooh, that's really weird. But then they started writing letters back to her and leaving them in her room. Or they wrote a journal and they would trade it back and forth. And she's like, and when my teenagers kind of got bitchy and over it, like maybe they wouldn't return it to me for a month. But that one day I would show up in my room and it was there. And I think part of the joy of this podcast for me is like finding these little tools and these little nuggets that all of these experts are sort of like bringing in. Because I'm like, oh, I would have never thought of like, you know, trying to maximize my mental health by, you know, really, you know, focusing my relationship with my daughter or my son and like handing a journal back and forth, you know? So it's like all these little things that we don't necessarily think about. I love it. It's our midlife toolkit. We need a midlife toolkit. Oh my God. And that includes skincare too. It includes, you know, skincare, Botox, filler, whatever it is for you. But I feel like if you are wanting the information, whether you're going to actually do something or not, why not hear it? Why not explore it? Like I'm not getting a facelift tomorrow, but it's definitely like on the books for, you know, within the next five years. But that doesn't mean that everybody else has to do it. No, of course that goes. And that brings us full circle back to what feels good to you. What feels true to you? I say authenticity is the truest form of rebellion because society wants to put us in the boxes and say, it looks like this 50. I'm 51. 51 looks like this. Well, no, it actually doesn't look like that. It doesn't have to look like that. It looks like this. And you're what? 46. Yeah. 46, 46 looks like, I mean, come on. Yeah. And I think it's this idea of like, like I said before, like embracing, like creating a new midlife sexy for yourself. And it's not about having the hottest body or the sexiest clothes or the coolest car. It's when you are in alignment and you are owning yourself and you are feeling good about yourself, that's sexy. That is so fucking overweight or not. And everyone feels it. I mean, I'll be honest, like at 51, I get more compliments from people who've known me for a long time are like, you look better than you've ever looked. And it has nothing to do with what size pants I wear or what my weight is. It has everything to do with my energy and my passion for what I'm doing, because what I'm doing is literally lighting me up from the inside out. I can see this in you too. And so I encourage everybody to me, it's the best skin treatment I can ever do is be true to me because I know I'm glowing. Right. And yes, of course, all the other yummy things on top of that and a little (laughs) coconut oil for the back. So all of it, all of it. Oh my God. This has been so yummy. Please tell this amazing community how they can get more of all things flexible, neurotic and (laughs) Dr. Sarah Milken, because (laughs) all things midlife nut job, all things midlife yummy, the sweet Uh spot between chaotic and chill. Isn't that how yes, you describe yourself? Me. I, I mean, love how can that. you be a flexible neurotic? I mean, honestly, the best way to find me is my Instagram, the flexible neurotic. Just spell neurotic, right? Because some people don't spell it right. It's N E U. So, yeah, I would say my Instagram, and my Instagram takes you to my website, and my podcast is in all the platforms where everybody else is. Yeah, where you're finding rebel souls. And at some point, I know you and I are on the books. I can't wait to be on your- I can't wait. Are you kidding? Like just to be on this podcast, I was like diving into all things Shelly. Like I already have my podcast, half my podcast notes for you. Oh my God, are you kidding? Like I want to like come hang out with you and Lori. I want to be in your vibe room, Shelly. We're, that's Lori's vibe room. I know it's incredible. Yeah, but you have a Zen den, don't you? I have a Zen den. Yes, I do. I know my shit. good. Sister, this is going to be a to be continued conversation yes. on many levels. And I'm so glad we got to do this. And Me thank too. you for sharing just all and of now your I need like, like a midlife post shower. Oh. I'm like, <laughs> sweat. 
How's your, how are your armpits, Shelly? You know, actually, because my, I have like two layers of sweater on. They're so, it's so fuzzy. They're not wet. Uh, maybe oh, it's good. just You've absorbing. absorbed it all. It's absorbent cashmere, apparently, which I didn't know there was such a thing, but we're discovering it. But Rebel Souls, thank you for joining us. Sarah, thank you for just showering us with so much just wisdom and humor and authenticity and midlife wisdom, all the things that you are. And I can't wait to continue this. Thank you for joining us. Oh my God, love you. See you soon. Love you too. Hey Rebel, thanks for listening. If you were inspired by what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review so our fellow Rebel Souls can find us. We have big work to do together. And if you want to dive deeper, head on over to my website at soulbatical.com and follow me at soulbatical on Instagram. Until next time, stay bold, brave, and badass, and never stop asking, what am I rebelling for?